This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on your preferred podcasting platform. Welcome to episode 77 of the Podium Finish Live. I'm your host, Rob Tiamson, joined alongside Nathan Solomon. I'm so happy to have you on for our latest episode of the World's Fastest Hour of Racing Talk. This is going to be, of course, the post edition of the Chicago Street Course Race Weekend, which was quite an exciting, unusual race weekend, to say the least, from the Windy City. And we'll look ahead to Atlanta and Mid-Ohio Race Weekends because the Truck Series is heading up to the good old Buckeye State, while the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series head to the state known for the Atlanta Braves. So lots to look forward to on this edition of our show. And of course, for you folks at home that love our hot seat interviews, you're in for a treat because it's double the hot seats again. And it's likely going to be like this for the next several weeks because we've got Raja Karuth, driver of the number 24 GMS Racing Chevrolet Silverado entry in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. And then, of course, we've got our second of six Team Hornaday development drivers joining us on this weekly segment. In this case, it's going to be Hudson Bolger joining us as well. So we're so excited to introduce two young drivers, if you will. Well, Raj has been on several times, of course, but um, it's a really fun interview for sure. And Hudson, of course, we're going to get UTPFers up to speed with him as well. So lots to chat about. Why don't we just jump right into it right away with, with Nathan and bring him back in the, for the show. So you know, Nathan, how you doing? I know you're one week away from the busy stretch that you're in for three out of six races. I am. I'm, lo- I'm very much looking forward to it. It's well, really, I mean, it's back to back races. That's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Those are last year. Those are like my, my two favorite weeks of the year. So really excited for Loudon in New Hampshire. Um, but first, of course, we've got Atlanta this weekend, so that should certainly be fun to watch. Um, certainly some significance to Atlanta for, for two reasons. I mean, number one, um, in terms of the points-paying races, it's officially the second half of the season, so uh, eight ra- 18 races done, 18 races to go. Um, and then number two, Atlanta is also the first track that we visit twice this year, uh, and there's always a handful of those, especially um you know, especially tracks that are that are in the playoffs, but um, you know we've got Richmond coming up too in a few weeks is another one that we visit twice. But um, so there's always a little bit of meaning uh, the second time you visit a track each season. All right, which guys from the first time you're there uh, are, are the same contenders, and who, you know who's gotten better. You know, then I think you also really see um, which teams are, are making gains on uh, on the new car and everything. So um, it should certainly be exciting. We have two night races as well, um, so that will also so uh, add a new factor into things, but uh, very much looking forward to uh, to watching the action from uh, Hampton, Georgia. That's right, because it's going to be under the lights on Saturday night for the Alsco Uniforms 250 for the Xfinity Series, and of course those cuppers go back to work on Sunday night, 7 p.m. East Coast time for the Quaker State 400, which I know Nathan's probably thinking it should be in Kentucky Speedway, not Atlanta. But that's okay. We love the folks at Atlanta, so we're going to give them a little bit of love right here. I do think that. I, I know you did. And anytime I see that event sponsor name, I'm thinking it's Sparta, not Hampton, but say uh, la vie. In this case, so let's give a shout out before we get to the, the meats and potatoes of our show. Shout outs, of course, to the Ski Dan siblings, because 
they were pretty much everywhere in Independence Day with Logan Skeeton and Wayne Regal around at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course for the Honda Indy uh, 200. And then, of course, we had Maddie Skeeton working with Kevin Bowman last weekend in Chicago. I know it was pretty soggy for them. So as I always like to say, when things are a little damp, I hope they're drying out and uh, they're off their boats at this point. Because that Chicago looked like it was more like a river of Chicago on pit road before the cup race. Basically the time that the Xfinity race was decided on. So, yes, we're going to talk a little bit about those things as well, because uh, I know you folks at home have opinions on those. We want to hear from you on that. Um, But this weekend, of course, we've got Trish McCormick and the Ritchie twins, Kevin and Kyle at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So looking forward to their shots. By the way, Nathan, you do know in one week we're going to have SRX action again. So lots of racing going on. And yes, TPF will be at quite a few of these SRX races. So I'm looking forward to seeing our presence being made on these Thursday Night Thunder races on ESPN. We're not on ESPN, but you know what I mean by that, folks. Wish we were ESPN. Anyways, we're not. So before we get to the podium perspective segments, why don't we hear from our sponsors, SpoilerDieCast.com. Hey racing fans, are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. And folks, I do want to let you know, we have some F1 diecasts at SpoilerDieCast.com available. So if you are a Landon Norris fan, you're a fan of Team Alpine Racing, head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com. Use promo code TPF, and you'll save yourself a bit of money, get free shipping, and in about four business days or less, you'll have yourself an F1 diecast at home. And of course, NASCAR wants to from Lionel Racing because they have been getting those shipments in quite quickly. Nice change from what's been going on the last couple of years. So anyways, use that promo code TPF, get free shipping and 5% off your orders of $20 or more. And you'll make me and Nathan and everybody on TPF quite happy. So speaking of getting happy here, why don't we head over to Podium Perspectives? Well, I will say this much about the Chicago Street Course race. I thought it was an interesting concept when it was put to reality versus what we had seen in iRacing because we had a sample look at it earlier last week when the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola Series raced there on its virtual counterpart. But of course, folks at home may remember the, uh, the Wednesday night races that were in FS1 in 2021, when we had this race and folks got to see the next gen car, I mean, the, yeah, the next gen car, the paint schemes and uh, a lot of chaos and mayhem 
with a lot of drivers who typically would be good at road course racing. It's not far from the reality that we had a bit of chaos, but it wasn't because of lack of talents or all that. Let's just say that NASCAR Cup drivers were put to the test racing in really damp conditions. And uh, I'm sure Noah Gregson's pretty happy to be done with that race and done seeing turn number six because he ran into the tire barrier more time than folks probably ordering Wendy's on DoorDash. Um, but to say the least, for at least for the cup race, I can't really tell you much about the Xfinity race because uh, Nathan can probably digress on that. There really wasn't much of an Xfinity race to talk about. But on the cup side, oh, goodness gracious. I mean, there was a lot of movers and shakers and a certain driver from New Zealand, Shane Van Gisbergen. I didn't script his name, folks. Shane Van Gisberger got himself a great, great day on Sunday in that number 91, Project 91 Chevrolet Camaro, starting inside the top five and essentially just racing there until a late decision by NASCAR to, to shorten the race by 25 laps due to impending darkness. <clears throat> and this kind of screwed up the strategies for a lot of folks who were running towards the front of the field, like SVG, Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, and Christopher Bell. But, you know, all in all, you know, it was a really good street course race. SVG went on to win. And it was the first time that somebody, you know, who's made their cup debut won a cup race in the modern era. I mean, it's been over 60 years since it's happened, but at least in this era, the first time it's ever happened. So history was made. So congrats to SVG and Project 91. I want to hear from Nathan, though, because I'm pretty much rambling on and on about this. So, uh, Nathan, I know you've got some thoughts about the Chicago Street Course race, both on Cup and Xfinity. So uh, why don't you chime in about it? Is it a yay or nay about this race? I thought it was awesome. I mean, I thought it was one of the best races of the year. I mean, um, I think that, like, I think certainly starting on wets, actually, I mean, it adds another factor to the race for sure. Um, so maybe that the excitement, like that, that's certainly kind of up the excitement level in a sense, just because that was just another unknown to the unknown. And I think we kind of saw the same last year at Watkins Glen. It's like, oh man, we're starting the race on, um, on, um, excuse me, on, on rain tires. So that kind of adds more strategy in, into things as to like, all right, maybe, you know, teams are probably gonna have to pit sooner than they want to, um, for their first stop to get off the rain tires and put on the slick. So, um, it, it it gave a lot of good racing and also gave a lot of strategy at the same time. So I thought that was really fun. First off, I can't believe that the track actually like was raceable. Like with as much rain as they got, I said like, no, there, there's no chance that they race. Like, I mean, I was fully ready for, for the race to be on Monday. And then I mean, I was just kind of like kind of glancing over at the rain delay coverage. And then they're interviewing Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And they're like, Oh, by the way, drivers to your cars. Like what? I didn't even know it like stopped raining, but, um, I mean, man, the track was, the track was ready. Um, I know they kind of had some, like, I guess weepers is the best way to put it in like between turns 10 and 11. Like I think water just kind of kept going underneath the wall. So they, they kind of kept running the, the, the jet dryers, the air tightens through there. They just couldn't quite get all the water sucked up there. But otherwise, I mean, the track was completely free of standing water. Um, and that, that part of the racetrack anyway, that had like a little bit of standing water, it was essentially the most narrow part of the track. So there's not going to be a lot of passing anyway. So it just kind of stayed, um, one groove, one lane there, but, um, yeah, it was, it was super racing. I think in, in both series altogether, like you mentioned, we only got to see a little bit of the exiting race because of, of weather. I mean, they only raced 25 laps, but, um, 
I think the track was a lot wider than everybody imagined, and it, and um, it was a lot racier, and there's a lot of, lot more passing zones than everybody thought. Like I thought that the entire course was gonna um, be like what turn eleven was, like that narrow all the way around, and I was like, yeah, there's no way that they're gonna be able to pass, but um, th- there there was passing. I mean, I it, I thought it was a hit, and I mean, I think they're going to do everything in their power to be back there next year. NASCAR recently signed a three-year contract with Chicago. Um, obviously, because of, of kind of their, their government situation over there with their new mayor, I know uh, there's a few unknowns as to if they will fully let NASCAR come back next year. Um, but hopefully hopefully it'll happen. I really hope it does. Um, hopefully they'll, they'll approve it. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, um, I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent. But... Um, and then you know, I, I, obviously, with with when the race started, um, it's kind of inevitable that they're gonna have to shorten it. Um, I did not like the timing of when they chose to shorten it. I don't think. I mean, it wasn't really fair to, to the guys that to that that stayed out because um, basically, I, I and mean, I don't have the lap numbers in front of in front of me, but there's a caution and twelve guys are so pitted. And then we had a couple green flag laps that basically brought us to the end of stage two. And then at the end of stage two, they're like, all right, we're, we're, we're shortening the race. And then that kind of left the other, I'm doing quick math here, the other 24 or so cars or, or whatever it was, um, in, in tough, in tough situations. Now, um, the guy who won the race, Shane, Shane Van, <laughs> Shane Van Gisbergen, um, he was, he was one of the guys that kind of got screwed over by the strategy, so really it didn't, you know, it really didn't matter for him, like, whether, whether he had, like, it didn't really matter when they called the race, because he was gonna, he was gonna win it anyway, um, just based on, because he, he, whether he had to drive through the field, or whether he was, had that track position the whole time, the whole race, he, he had the best car, I, I believe, and obviously has the most experience of this, I mean, he has the car control and the ability, uh, and, and just, experience on these street courses i mean half the half the races they do in supercars are, are street courses so um congrats to him i mean i thought he'd i thought he'd run well i i didn't think he'd go out and win the race and probably be the dominant car all weekend i mean he was he was fastest in practice um probably would have won the pole if he got to do multiple laps in qualifying i know he went out with like maybe six minutes left in the final round of qualifying kind of got a bad break with one of those cautions there um so he had to, he had to redo his lap but and, and got third but um yeah he was the, he was by far the the best car all weekend and uh and, and he got the win but hopefully next year uh assuming they go back it will stay dry hopefully we'll get a full Xfinity race we will get a full cup race um hopefully the weather won't lead to postponements of the concerts because i know that was really disappointing for a lot of the fans there um they had a really good talent lineup for um for the weekend there in, in terms of artists and basically none of the shows happened. So, um, hopefully w- the weather cooperates a little bit more cause I know it literally did not rain for two and a half months and then it rained like seven inches on Sunday. So let's not do that again, but, um, looking forward to hopefully seeing NASCAR in Chicago on the streets of Chicago, uh, next year. Certainly because I thought it was a great hit and, you know, like you, Nathan, I was worried about the street course not being conducive to passing just because you look at turn 11 and 12 and it looked like a real, you know, city street. It's not the widest. It's just designed to get traffic to flow from one direction to another. And, uh, you know, we certainly saw people making passes in sections I thought you couldn't do. 
especially when you were heading, they were heading towards Michigan Avenue, um, just after turn six, they were really getting brave out there. And uh, I loved it. It was really cool. And I do feel bad for the folks that, you know, wanted to see the concerts as well. Um, there was going to be a moment where all the drivers were going to be on stage, I believe with the chain smokers, and that didn't come to fruition, of course. That's a bummer on that. But overall, I, I enjoyed this race weekend. Um, I thought it was fun. It would not be something we would have seen, honestly, during the heydays of NASCAR, but I love the new energy that Ben Kennedy's injecting into the sport. Uh, and of course, iRacing, we got to give them some credit on that as well. So Steve Myers, Dale Jr., all of those e-coke drivers and sim racers that were giving feedback to iRacing, to NASCAR, um, the whole nine yards. It, it's a team collaborative effort to have made this happen. Super cool. And I certainly hope that Mayor um, Johnson is going to consider having this race return next year. And it's full, you know, glory for sure. And hopefully the uh, the theory that if you need rain, NASCAR coming into town ends on that weekend because we don't need any more rain um, anytime soon. So congrats, of course, to Cole Custer and Shane Van Gisbergen, not Shane Van Gis Hamburger, like Joey Logano had said in his post-race interview. I don't blame him, though. He probably was really hungry. He wanted a burger after the race. Why wouldn't he? Uh, with a Coca-Cola, of course. But let's talk about more about SVG, because I thought it was really interesting during the uh, winner's press conference that he basically was like, hey, you know, I'll do one more year in Australia and in, in, uh, the NZ, New Zealand. And then I'm going to make my way up to America for cup. Um, and that's a big, big compliment to the NASCAR cup series or NASCAR in general to have somebody, a three-time V8 supercars champion wanting to go across the pond, if you will, to NASCAR. Uh, it's so cool that they think so highly of NASCAR and want to be in this. It reminds me of when IndyCar got Scott McLaughlin not too long ago, and uh, he got to go to Team Penske and He's making a career in NTT IndyCar competition. And now SVG may be the next import uh, from uh, New Zealand and Australia. So what do you think, Nathan? You know, obviously he showcased he can win a race. He did. Um, you know, I don't know if Project 91 has the, the, the money or the kicks to do a full season in, say, as early as 2025. But will we see SVG in NASCAR Cup racing in 2025? And if we had to play guessing games here, who who would be his team? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. I mean, I think it's certainly a possibility. Um, we've certainly seen folks from from that part of the world come over and like like you mentioned, like a, a guy like Scott McLaughlin, Scott McLaughlin um, have a lot of success in the IndyCar series, and even dating back to uh, another country out that way. You know, Marcus Ambrose coming from Australia, so uh, New Zealand's neighbor. Obviously, he had a great NASCAR career as well. So it's certainly possible. Um, I think, obviously, though, at the same time, I think that, I, I mean, that this win's kind of an anomaly, too. I mean, I'm not he absolutely 100% deserved it, but um, he's also the only guy in the field with, like, immense street course racing experience. Um, so, I mean, I think that if, I mean, if you put him on ovals, I mean, he doesn't really have any oval experience. Um, you know, I, I think he's really going to struggle. So, uh, we'll see. I think we could, I think we'll see him on a lot of road courses in the future for sure. I think he could be a regular road course ringer in, in the NASCAR cup series. I, I don't know if he'll, if he'll ever be a full-time guy. I know he said he'd certainly entertain it. Um, I think actually his team, 
his supercars team even said that if he got an offer for next year that they'd consider letting him uh, letting him go pursue it. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of teams. You know, I, I really don't know. Um, I think he's binded the Chevrolet over there, so I'm going to guess a uh, probably a Chevrolet team. Um, could be Trackhouse. You never know. I'm I'm sure Justin Marks is always thinking about expansion and adding more uh, more full time cars. But but we'll just have to see. I think he'll need a little bit more, uh, or he'll need to get his feet wet on ovals first before um, he gets thrown into the fire in terms of a a full time Cup Series schedule. But uh, like I said, I think it. This certainly won't be his uh, his last NASCAR Cup Series race either. Oh, not at all. I think he definitely comes back. And uh, if I'm Project 91, I would probably say, you know what? I know we're trying to, you know, showcase the best of international talents. So you have their chance to to wheel a NASCAR Cup Series car. But given that Kimi Räikkönen had two starts with that number 91 car last year at Watkins Glen and you know earlier this year at Coda. Maybe they'll say, hey, Watkins Glen or our next race. Although I know Project ND1 said they don't have any more scheduled races for this year. But, hey, things can change. You know, if they have another race they want to do, I'm sure SVG, if his time permits, he would totally jump at the chance to do it again. And um, that's really, really high praise that a team like Triple Eight Race Engineering, uh, which is also known as Red Bull Ample Racing, would be game to give up their talent to go cup racing. Uh, given how Red Bull really likes to hold on to their drivers, the matter of the division. So uh, it's so cool to see uh, this happen. To me, I know it's not quite the same and I wasn't around for this and it's not quite the same circumstance. But, you know, if I had to understand the significance of Mario Andretti winning the 1967 Daytona 500, I think this pretty much feels that way for the world of motorsports, whether you're in New Zealand and you're watching it so early in the morning or here in America and when it was closing in on Sunday night going into, you know, Independence Day week. So, yes. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't think that cup drivers should feel too badly that SVG beat them too, because I know a lot of folks are saying they should be embarrassed and all of that. And no, I mean, he's a great road course racer. It would be like if Boris had, had beaten the cup field during his heydays in the two thousands. Um, so it, he had the best car, like you said, Nathan, and to your point, you know, He's a hell of a race car driver too. So it'll it's just interesting to see these different winners in NASCAR Cup Series racing. It's just too bad, of course. We didn't, I know we always, we always like to talk about playoff positioning and uh, you know, he's not going to be in the playoffs. It would be cool though, because he would be a, a new entry, but yeah, you may have not seen the last of SVG, at least on a part-time basis. Now I know Nathan and I are probably checking our phones quite often this week or even during this recording. And it's not because we don't want to do the show, it's because there's a little new thing, folks, on social media called Threads by Instagram and or the folks behind the Instagram called Meta, which also presides over Facebook. If you don't know, folks, and we're not endorsed, by the way, by Threads, so I just want to let you know, this is full, honest discussion here that we're about to have. Threads kicked off earlier this week, and it's basically like a Twitter-like application. Um, you know, if you have an Instagram account, pretty much it carries over into threads and uh, the cool thing about it is a lot of folks in nascar and in motorsports they're embracing this new app because um you know a lot of things have changed over at twitter we're not going to get into the politics and all of that of that about that um what we'll say though is this is really an interesting moment in motorsports media and social media for that matter because it's been quite a long time since we've had a verily i would say 
conversational worthy social media app. Um, you know, as far as Nathan's been concerned, social media has been around all of his life, basically speaking. And in my case, um, you know, half of my life has pretty much involved social media uh, with Facebook and eventually Twitter, which honestly, I got to credit to Brad Keselowski for making me even think about uh, using Twitter, thanks to his 2012 Daytona 500 tweet during that red flag, which you, if you know, you know, folks. Um, so I didn't want to miss that on threads. And so far I'm enjoying it. I love the I love the fact that drivers are actually showcasing a little bit of personality with it too. So, I, I mean, I know Nathan's kind of overseeing the TPF uh, account on thread, you know, when it comes to its impact, Nathan, you know, how much of a game changer is this going to be for motorsports media? Uh, do you suppose that eventually we're going to see a lot more uh, content sharing, a lot more interactions and everything we're used to with social media from Twitter going over solely the threads well first of all we have to we have to plug of course um tpf is on uh twitter or on instagram and in threads at the podium finish i'm at nsolly02 and what what's your what's your threads or what's your instagram it's uh my threads account is at rob tionks and so pretty much consistent throughout whether it's twitter facebook and threads Perfect. So follow follow all three accounts there. You'll see great motorsports content, which leads into my point. I mean, at least, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of motorsports people are definitely embracing it. Like everybody, everybody like made that shift over. So we're recording it Thursday night. Um, the app was actually supposed to launch Thursday morning, but it launched like twelve hours early. So like everybody in the motorsports community was like going over Wednesday night. So we all just I don't know. It was just like I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of just a fun night of like. Of like, oh, hello, like, fun, fun, funny seeing you over here. Like, does this thing work? But, um, no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, kind of like try to find people and connect with people and reconnect and everything. Um, so I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And, and I was on it a lot today and today, Thursday, probably more than I was on Twitter. But, um, in terms of like utilizing it for like motorsports coverage and not even just motorsports coverage, but I think just the way that people get their news. I think it, it's it's certainly going to, it already is rivaling Twitter for sure. And I think that, I mean, I've seen a bunch of motorsports, you know, reporters like ourselves, you know, utilizing it today for, um, for their coverage and their content. So, um, you know, I'm excited to experiment with it a lot. You know, we've already kind of grown a little bit of a, a follower base over there. So that's neat. Um, you know, we have, we have a couple different teams at, at, at the tracks this weekend, like you mentioned uh, earlier into the show. So um, we'll have a lot of content that, that we'll be highlighting throughout the weekend, um, you know, on all of our social media platforms, in, in, including threads. So um, I'm looking forward just, just to experiment with, with a little bit, um, you know, seeing what type of content sticks, what works, what doesn't work. Um, you know, do people want to, you know, is, is this how people want to retrieve their news? So, um, it, in, in, with me going to the track here in, in a couple weeks as well for, for a couple races that I'm working, um, really looking forward to, to seeing how um, how that app will, will grow and evolve here over the next few uh, weeks and months on, on, a, on a greater scale and then also on, on a smaller scale, like our, our own personal accounts and then um, the the outlets account. So uh, it should definitely be interesting. I, I've liked it so far. I know that I'm sure that the more that... And the longer that threads will be around, the more features it'll have, and the more, I guess, sophisticated it'll be. Like, I think right now it doesn't have any hashtags, and there's no, like, web browser for it yet. Um, 
but I'm sure like stuff like that will come though. The more that they're able to uh, develop it, the more feedback they get, and the more users they get. So um, I think it'll be very useful for um, what we do, and and on on a bigger scale on, on how everybody retrieves their news, whether it's sports related, NASCAR related, or you know general news related. Yeah, for sure. And I like the fact that yeah, it it's ba- it's actually just back to the basics. You know, there's no. It's basically what Twitter used to be before it had a lot more things happening to it, which maybe that's what social media should just be. Just, bad, you know, plain old basic interaction, you know, having a little bit of fun and um, you know, honestly showing a little bit of personality with it, too. And on the social media side, too, for TPF, I think it's great for us because um, we'll, we'll engage with newer folks out there and we always have to follow the trends, right, you know, to find a and the next fans, drivers, you know, those who are hip to the square about what's going on about on uh, the latest trends. And I don't think this is going to just be a fad and we're all going to run back to Twitter. I honestly think that this is going to be something that uh, if we see it working really well, a lot more people within our industry decide that this is what they're going to be doing moving forward. I might just say, you know what, Twitter, you're just going to be, I'm going to lurk around more than I will tweet. And I'll do a lot more threading, if you will. So, yeah, I think that's what we're going to be saying. We're going to be doing a lot more threading, not tweeting. I, 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 I actually fail in sewing class, folks. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> At least I'm not going to fail on, on threads, I promise you. So follow us for sure. Um, we'll have a lot of fun observations about racing. And in my case, if you follow me, not just not just with racing, I, uh, I might give ratings on chicken. Uh, not chicken like the farm animal i mean the food i'm not that kind of person folks i don't know anyways check us out on threads with that i think we're going to be threading the needle to our final portion of putting perspectives by going to winning time you know folks that this is the time that nathan and i provide our picks as to who will win the latest nascar race races rather of the weekend and again it's a split agenda with NASCAR because the truck series will be heading up to Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150. Unfortunately, defending winner Parker Kligerman will not be there because he's got another job in folks. He's racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So we'll have a new winner that that much we know for the truck series. So I can't wait to hear what Nathan's going to say about that. And then, of course, for the Xfinity Series later on Saturday, we have the Alsco Uniforms 250, which, of course, Austin Hill won last year and I think pretty much established himself further ahead as the, the you know the definitive super speedway talent in the Xfinity series and then of course on Sunday night the Quaker State 400 and it's a hometown race for a Chase Elliott I know we keep joking about him being back but I think the next thing he wants to be back at is back in victory lane so three exciting different races oh by the way folks if you go to Mid Ohio sports car course if you hear a familiar voice, the guy who introduces me and Nathan every week, he's at the racetrack, Stephen Conley. So shout out to Stephen. Uh, but anyways, folks, let's hear from Nathan about his race picks because I really want to see if we're on the same page or if we're going way off course with our picks. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, like you mentioned, I mean, I think Parker Clearman would be a great bet, but uh, you know, he's not he's not in that uh, Mid Ohio race. Um, I'll go, I'll go with Zane Smith to win over at, at Mid Ohio. I feel like it's been been kind of a really weird season for him. Um, not really ran as well as he usually does 
these last several weeks. So I think he'll redeem himself and, and win over there on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'll go with a safe pick Saturday night. I'll go uh, with the king of Atlanta, Austin Hill. Uh, he is really good at these uh, drafting tracks. They're these super speedway style racing tracks. I don't really know why, but he's, he wins just about every single one of them. Um, or if he doesn't win it, he's he's right there, or ha probably has the best car. Um, so if you also want a, a safe bet for the pole, I think he'd be a pretty uh, a pretty safe option because those RCR cars have been wicked fast in time trials. And then Sunday's race, I mean, every, just about anybody could really win that race. Um, you know, Chase Elliott won it last year, obviously. I think he'll be really aggressive trying to um, you know get his way into the playoffs but uh, I'm gonna go with a guy that I don't I don't really think it's like an underdog but um, a guy we haven't really thought of as much is Brad Keselowski he's, he's quietly having a really good year um, RFK has taken a massive step from year from year one to year two both him and Chris Bush are running pretty consistently within the top 15 um, and there's really not been a lot of ups and downs with either of them they've been pretty just pretty rock solid all year um and, and brad keselowski is one of the best super speedway racers in the field so um he almost won in in the spring i think he'll uh, he'll redeem himself with a win here in the summer he'll redeem himself to the part of john so that way danny hamlin doesn't think that you know king hawaiian rolls is what it smelled like because that was what happened last time that we were at atlanta but uh all seriousness aside of course uh, joking aside in all seriousness Brad K was a lap away from winning the race, and Joey Logano uh, suckered him at the end with a really clever last lap pass. So certainly good picks there, uh, Nathan. And, and the Truck Series race, you know, it's definitely wide open without Parker Klergenman being around. And he's obviously in the Xfinity race later that day. So Zane Smith is a good choice. I know he did a media availability uh, before the race weekend and had some thoughts about taking on this renowned FIA uh, grade number two track and in my opinion and about the race winner oh, this is a tough one because there really isn't a road course specialist if you will now in the truck series without parker around so this is kind of a crap shoot pick i'm gonna go with connor daly because he certainly he knows how to race at mid-ohio he just raced the indycar race in an emergency start for uh, Simon Paginaw. And by the way, folks, we do hope that Simon Paginaw is feeling better and we'll be back racing in next weekend's uh, Indy Curries at Toronto. So I'll go with Connor Daly, just something different. And I know if he wins, just uh, it opens a lot more possibilities for him as far as his racing career is concerned. So it would be cool to see him win for the number 41 Nice Motorsports team. Austin Hill's an easy pick, and I, I almost want to say him too, but I am going to go with Parker Kligerman for the uh, Xfinity race on Saturday night. Let's not forget, he almost won Saturday, that race uh, in March until he was sideways, basically spitting towards the stripe and had a really crazy crash uh, with contact from Daniel Hemrick. So I'm, I'm pretty sure this time around, PK wants to be doing his moves a little bit earlier to get to the front a little earlier and, and being defensive mode versus offensive mode on that last lap. As far as Sunday's race is concerned with it being the nighttime and really the only lap or laps that the drivers will get is the qualifying session. That's really going to be difficult. You know, this would typically be a time where I'd say a Hendrick Motorsports driver will win, but 
we have to remember that there's a new pit road format going into the racetrack again. Uh, so entering pit road, it's 90 miles an hour until you get to the actual pit road, which I believe is 45 miles an hour. So that's going to be an interesting situation, folks, to see folks planning their green flag pit stops. But long story short, I am not going to chase Elliott. I will go with Joey Logano to go for the Atlanta sweep, get himself securely in to the NASCAR playoffs. So different winners, different choices, and it's not quite a Chevrolet sweep. I think Joey Logano kind of puts the brakes to that. But what do you think, folks? Did Nathan get his picks right, or am I on target, or do you have a better set of picks for us to consider? You can thread to us. Yeah, start a thread with us at the podium finish or at Solly 2 for Nathan or me at Rob Tiongson, any of us. And uh, if you happen to pick the, all the winning drivers for this current coming weekend, I will get you an in-stock 2023 Lionel NASCAR 164 diecast car, courtesy of us and spoilerdiecast.com. So we hope to hear from you on threads, because that's where we're going to be quite more often. And as we head into the home stretch of TPF Live episode number 77, I think it's time to hear the hot seat segment. And we are in for a treat for this week's hot seat interviews. It's certainly going to be all about youth on this edition of TPF Live's interview segment, of course. So we'll start things off with a man who is racing in the truck series. And not long ago, I would say even during the pandemic, he was just trying to make his way in Legends cars and, you know, late models in the Southeast. And he has proven himself to be somebody who can race in competitive NASCAR equipment. He races in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, and as of right now, he ranks 16th in points and really looking to get a win to be in the playoffs for this season. But honestly, for a rookie, he's handling the pressure quite well. He's showing speed, and he's learning from some great teammates, Daniel Dye and Grant Enfinger. So before this race weekend kicked off, and really before the end of that busy stretch for the truck series in June, I caught up with Roger Carruth and had a little, really good conversation about him, about his racing season, what he's trying to learn. And I learned he's actually a bit of a geography nerd, uh, as you'll hear on the first edition of our hot seat interview for this week. So let's hear from Roger right now and get to the GMS Racing Workshop right now. Well, welcome back to another edition, folks, to TPF Live's Hot Seat segment. I'm your host, Rob Tiongson. And on this edition, we've got my good friend at last, Roger Carruth, joining us. He's, of course, the driver of the number 24 Wendell Scott Foundation Chevrolet Silverado, fielded by GMS Racing. And for once, it's not Nathan Salman doing the interview. It's the boss man himself. So, Roger, I think it's been three years since we've done one of these. So how are you doing, man? Three years? How long ago was that? 2020? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. It's been since the pole position days. That's how long ago it's been. That is, yeah. That that's a that's a date. <laughs> we'll leave 2020 behind us because that was a crazy, crazy year. But let's talk about your year, my friend, because it's been a great journey since 
those days in ARCA and of course racing late models of course this being your full-time rookie season in the truck series and you've showcased your talents and you guys have been on the up and up in these last few weeks of course with that sixth place finish at Darlington so first of all how would you grade or assess your season to date in terms of what's working well and what do you want to improve upon? Oh, like a like a letter grade, like in school? Yeah, let's do that, man. Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, we've had some really strong uh, days and trucks we've brought to, brought to the racetrack and some really complete days and others, you know, not at all. Uh, so I, I don't know, I'd, I'd give it in, in the C, the high C, the low B range, um, not in the playoff picture right now, but a win will change everything. So we got four chances to do that. And, uh, I've been really proud of the, the pace we've showed in the last month or so. And I think we, we had good pace to start the year, you know, at Bristol dirt at Las Vegas, uh, and Martinsville before it started raining. Uh, so I, I and then this last month, obviously, you know, Kansas, Charlotte, um, and Darlington. So I've been really proud of the, the improvements we've made and the, the pace that we've had. Uh, but we've I've got a lot of work I had to do. Um, I think our group has some growing to do as well. Um, it kind of in all departments. But I, I think we have a really strong upside. So grade wise, I'd say, you know, in the high C, low B range. I like that you're grading yourself on a curve just because, like you said, there have been some rough patches. But like you said as well, there to your point, you have some great, you know, up uh, trends going upwards as well. And uh, I know these last four races, it's going to be pretty much uh, um, just knuckle down and just do your best as you can in these last four races before the playoffs hit. So uh, we'll see what happens between now and then. But, you know, you've got a chock full of experience handling hype situations in ARCA and of course racing in Xfinity and trucks these last few years you know Grant described the truck series to me recently as being pretty much intense and merciless almost to a point would you agree with this assessment or how would you describe racing in the truck series definitely merciless uh racing with the dummies a lot of the time um just because so fortunately I've, I've gotten to run race the Xfinity car Ten or eleven times over the past year, and the culture and the etiquette on that side of the garage—it is so much different than it is on the Crashman Truck Series side. Um, from a give and take standpoint, from a again an etiquette, a, a give and take standpoint, um, and just kind of as a whole, and you—that's inherently going to happen because the Xfinity car is more difficult to drive than the truck, and. A lot of times, I think your ability is saved by the equipment you're in a truck versus an Xfinity car. Um, so I, I definitely agree with, with that sentiment of like, you know, the truck racing in, in the truck series is pretty hectic. Sometimes it's literally glorified C-Fix on iRacing, to be honest with you. So, um, again, a, a big culture difference from the Xfinity series. But I think if you can be successful in the truck series, you can hop into the Xfinity car and be pretty sporty and, and then hopefully by that point be ready for cup racing so i've got a lot of work to do though for sure well i think for sure in the truck series you're definitely getting your um on the field experience with uh aggression and sometimes having to make those moves that may compromise who you are as a person or like hey i want to do this cleanly but if i do i get i'll get past you know um but you also mentioned a little bit about iRacing, which of course i remember back in 2020 uh, that was sort of your uh, proving grounds if you will Sure. Much like William Byron and Ty Majeski, who have those experiences racing and I racing, how much of that has carried over to what you do today? 
in terms of, you know, these limited practice sessions, I know you don't get as much as you'd like. How much has that have helped you out over these years? Uh, I think, you know, iRacing has been a big help for me because uh, honestly, like the driving technique stuff and, and the approach is not like entirely different at all. Like there's definitely considerable different nuances and stuff like that, but it's really not entirely different. Um, so the, the things that I need to work on in terms of with uh, kind of controlling like my emotions, the highs and lows and and not allowing that to affect my decision-making to just overall awareness of the situation has been something that I sometimes struggle with on iRacing and sometimes struggle with in real life. So uh, I've realized like things that I clean up on the sim help me um, on the real life side of things, whether that be tire conservation or walk proximity or timing side drafts properly, things that I've practiced on iRacing for years before I even set foot in a late model uh, has definitely kind of started to help me out and pay dividends for when I'm in situations for the first time and where I'll make not the right moves like Kansas, but make the right moves like, you know, Darlington and, and Charlotte and Las Vegas. So um, definitely it's pay dividends and uh, still have a lot of work to do. That's fascinating to know just because I, you know, off, off the record of, if you will, I did race a bit of sim racing on the predecessor to iRacing, NASCAR 2003, and it felt as realistic as possible. So just to know that it can transcend over to real life racing is just, it's pretty mind boggling and almost makes me wish I could argue with my parents back in 2003 and be like, give me a chance on this. I could be a NASCAR driver, but it's okay because folks like you are like, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Tiongson, your son could have been a driver. No, I'm kidding. It's about you, not me. <laughs> but that's just so cool because um, I've heard a lot of great things about iRacing. So, man, you made 18-year-old me happier and I'm, I'm twice that age now. So, okay, I feel a little vindicated. But anyways, back to you, my friend. You know, this year, you're a rookie alongside Daniel Dye, your teammate, and you've got a veteran leader in Grant Enfinger. What has it been like to work with those two and contend for wins and, you know, build upon success for GMS racing? Yeah, uh, I guess funny story. So the first time, the first two days I drove a, a stock car was at New Smyrna Speedway in 2019. And Daniel was at both of those days uh, just watching and we texted and he gave me some advice because those were that was for the NASCAR Draft University Combine. Yeah, in 2019. So Daniel and I have known each other for years, since from before that. So it's pretty cool that we get to be teammates with each other. And then uh, with Grant having, you know, a lot of experience and, and being really good, uh, it's a great to use him as a, as a, uh, to lean on him for, for advice and for help and also use him as a measuring stick as to, you know, he's running here and I need to be at that point. And at some places, I think I've been there, you know, running with him and other places I've got a lot of work to do. So. Um, it's been great to have two awesome teammates in the fold and uh, same uh, or alliance wise with, with the McAnally guys, uh, Christian, I've known for a while as well, and Jake that we've known each other for a little bit. So it's been great to kind of have people we can, you know, share information with and, and work together for, you know, our common goal of running as, as strong as possible. So uh, it's been we're in a pretty good spot, I'd say so. That's awesome to hear. And then I thought you'd like to know that Grant was really complimentary of you in terms of saying like you are one of the, the finer young drivers in the NASCAR truck series. So I thought you'd like to know that. So if you need proof of that, uh, you'll hear that in the future hot seat segment. So oh, cool. he was really complimentary of you. So just want to let you know. 
Um, you know, speaking of engagements uh, with fans, uh, yeah. you know, obviously it's super important, whether in person or on social media, you know, how much importance you place on it, like emphasis do you put on engaging those fans, uh, you know, to make them feel connected with you or just to learn more about your story? Uh, I think it's really important because I'm gonna be honest, man, like I'm a regular person, like everyone else. I don't, I mean, I have a cool job, but I mean, I'm a pretty normal person. So that's kind of the mentality I try to bring when people actually take, take pictures or do stuff. I'm just like, yeah, of course. Like, I don't know why y'all tripping. I'm just a normal person. Uh, so that's, that's really the way I see it. I, I, I don't know. Like we're all humans. I, I'm just being real. So I don't know. I, I mean, I try to be nice to people and stuff. Obviously, if they do like mean stuff, that's a different story. But um, I just I don't know, because I remember being a kid like that <clears throat> and seeing drivers as superheroes and, and wanting to be that one day. So if I can pay that back in any way, shape or, or form, that's the least I can do. So that's that makes a lot. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And no, you're you said it right right there about you guys being just regular human beings like me and you, it's except except. It would be like if you interviewed me about what I do as a journalist, which that would be pretty interesting, actually. I'll say I that. I say, it's still pretty cool, though. It is. There's some days I sometimes pull my hair out when I hear questions in press conferences, but I'm, I'm going to save that off the record. <laughs> That's real. That's real. I, I like that. I try to ask interesting stuff. I don't want to make you feel like, what the heck are you asking? But anyway, um, no, it's, that's really cool. It's, by the way, you talk about, you know, you see these drivers as superheroes and all of that as a fan. Which drivers as a kid did you look up to? As a kid, I would say probably three drivers. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Lewis Hamilton, Bo Wallace were three superheroes when I was a, a young driver or a young kid fan. I'd, not a young driver because I didn't start until 17, but a, a kid, I guess. Well, you're still a kid, so. Until you hit, until you're staring closer to 40, you're a kid in my book. Oh, I was about to say, I do turn 21 in a couple of days, so technically I won't be a kid. Oh, you're also a Gemini, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So what's the deal with, so is that a big deal? Like the horoscope stuff? I don't understand that. Rob, you were like the fifth person in the last, like, half a week has said, oh, you're a Gemini. I'm like, what does this mean? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. I think it's something to do with millennials up to the baby boomers who place a lot of emphasis on it because we write out whatever the horoscope says in the newspaper or like online websites because we're pathetic and we're like, are we going to have a good day? Please say we're going to have a good day. So maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I'm not going to let some newspaper tell me how many days going to go on. <laughs> to, to each their own, I guess. Well... That's a good thing about you being born on the 21st century, not in the 80s like me. I don't think Leighton's an 80s person, so he won't, he, he'll probably be the fifth on that one. <laughs> no, I was 99s when I was born. Oh, oh geez. Yeah. Good Lord. I, I'm like your uncle, guys. This is, this is scary. Is, uncle, is cr- <laughs> uncle is crazy. Uncle Rob. That, uncle. that is crazy, yo. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. Well... Let's get it back to uh, you because we'll do, we'll let Rob, one of these days we'll do a Roger interviews Rob segment. That'll be fun. But uh, going back to you, and maybe this kind of connects to your earlier answer. What would you consider to be your welcome to NASCAR moment? 
on the track that makes you laugh or smile when you recall it or talk about it uh, to anyone? Mm. Oh, this is funny. That's not that funny. Okay, so at Darlington. Yeah, Darlington. Okay, at pra in practice. Um, so it's the short 20-minute practice, right? And Bubba ran this race. So this is funny story because context, my first time racing legend cars, he raced legend cars like that summer just for fun. So literally like that that day, one of those legend cars, like he like we went out to practice. So we didn't race in the same groups because different ages or whatever and experience. But we like practiced together and stuff and like talked about obviously um, on how to how I needed to be better, blah, blah, blah back then. But now we had practice at Darlington in the truck. It was kind of funny. Cause uh, he was behind me for a couple of laps, and then uh, I let him go. And I can't tell you what was exchanged when I let him when we passed each other, but it was really funny, and uh, that was really the probably my welcome to NASCAR moment. Cause it's like, like we, him and I have known each other for years since 2018, and to like share the track for the first time in a, in a NASCAR vehicle was was pretty awesome. Again, I won't I won't share what was. Uh, spread between us because that was that would be inappropriate but it was really funny and all good good intentions so yeah oh well at least you are accepted amongst your your, your heroes oh, and uh, actually you know i have one more at phoenix last year in the xfinity series um on the last restart of the race uh noah had a bad pit stop so we restarted in the row i was and i was having like a really good run in the in tommy joe's car I think I re I was I restarted tenth, tenth outside of row five, and he was right there, and uh, I th that was just a cool moment. And we talked about it after, but it was cool. It was like no, like, and we had known each other, I guess, the last year before that. Um, but like having workouts and stuff like that, that was a pretty cool moment because like, you know, my fifth or sixth Xfinity race in a lesser car, and getting up front a little bit with with like the cup affiliate teams was pretty cool um so i'd say that, that was probably my two um welcome to nascar moments i like that you know and one of them is one of your heroes and the other one is uh, uh basically your teammate in the cup series so small world i would say for you um it's just amazing how it all works out in the racing circles um so i like that and i like the <laughs> Bubba Wallace one that's going to make me intrigued just for a while, but I, I'll fill in the blanks on that one because yeah. yeah, that's up for your interpretation. No other <laughs> fair enough. Now let's just say that GMS Racing or NASCAR or you just won the lottery and you had all this money to build your own kind of racetrack for the top three NASCAR series. What kind of track would you build and why? Do I have to build a racetrack? Like I have to use the money for that. You have to use the money for that. That's the ground to. rules. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Where does it have to be? Or can it be anywhere? You could pick anywhere. I'll give you that. So this is a good question because different parts of the country have different weather. So the surface will age different. And they also have different aggregates for the asphalt. So like if you build a track here in the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, like it's going to be like sea shelly and that'll be great for race or for, uh, I guess, racing product, but also the weather is like kind of worse down here terms of with raining and stuff like that so that's always a risk especially in the first parts of the year whereas if you go up north 
um, especially more populated areas like spacing gets an issue. Sorry, I'm kind of a nerd with this stuff, so I'm, I kind of know what I'm talking about. So the the surface won't be as like great for a racing product, but they'll be in kind of better markets, I guess. Um, but the space also may not be as good because like more densely populated and you'd only be able to go there really in the summer months because it'd be colder. So if I had to pick one, I'd say I have two answers. Okay. Yeah. I have two answers. Okay. I would make one in the uh, like Southern Georgia, South Carolina area. Um, like, so that way it would be a, uh, uh like a march or october in that range for a race because it wouldn't be super hot or super cold um and then the service like i said would be pretty nice for um for racing product progressive banking gotta have progressive banking because it's like that's a must um anywhere from a three quarters of a mile to a mile and a half mile, mile and a quarter um and then have the two ends of the racetrack be different so that's my one point or what my one option other option would be <clears throat> like pacific northwest area so like seattle or upstate california or northern california uh i know that portland but I, I don't know what that looks like so <clears throat> pacific northwest somewhere um i don't know kind of like the weather up there is like definitely more like rainy and stuff so it wouldn't be great necessarily for for an oval um but probably a a, a cool road course with some nice 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 facilities like coda would probably be cool out there um i think street courses are always kind of a headache but like a purpose-built road course in close proximity to a big market so that, those are my two options like i said i'm a nerd about that stuff so that probably wasn't the best answer no i i love this stuff i love hearing about weather and geology locations and stuff so you have piqued my interest and you know what? We'll let you have the rest of that money. You do whatever the want, the heck you want to do with Great. it. So here you go. See, Great. I was a really fair banker. And and if you notice when you look at the NASCAR schedule, there's a reason why we go to like Michigan and New Hampshire and Watkins Glen in like the summer. And in the winter and stuff, we go like out west or to like Atlanta or uh, Florida, places like that, if you really think about it, because it's like, when it's colder, you want to go south. When it's warmer, go up north. Or depending on the time of year, whatever. Anywho, next question. I digress. <laughs> You're good. I was going to say NASCAR, the official series of snowbirds. So I'm going to let that be a little postal right. joke right there. Now, let's just say that the truck series had a month off break, which you probably would be like, oh, I wouldn't well, I wouldn't mind that after five races in a row. And you got well, they to had eight last year in a row, so I can't really complain, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, that's true yeah yeah well i guess you got lucky this year but let's just say you got a month off to unwind go wherever you wanted to around the world again you have the money that's all limitless what places would you want to visit like i have to go on vacation or can i just like stay here and like race something else okay in this one i'll let you do whatever this is up to you oh all right but so this is a month <laughs> um i'll do a handful of experience races if i could I would do some late mile races if I could and a dirt race at Millbridge one or two of them. And then traveling wise, oh, then I would just run my go-kart during the week a lot at GoPro. Um, travel wise, I would go, um, 
probably the Pacific Northwest or to Canada. Canada. That's kind of random. That's not an actual answer. Okay. But either Pacific Northwest or um this is in the this is a summer month, correct? Correct. correct. Summer month. Cool. Because this is important. So Pacific Northwest or um maybe London. I've got some family there. Um I don't know. I'm not the biggest beach guy. I don't really swim that much. Uh, I don't know. I like mountains and stuff and history and stuff like that. So that's probably be it. But if I had a month off, I would, I'm a homebody, so I really don't do much to begin with. So, yeah. Fair enough. I like that. If you couldn't race, you'd be racing anyway. So that's but basically then, your answer. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> racing raja i like that that's a that's going to be my little nickname which is so corny you're probably going to hate that in 10 years so um i won't be calling myself that so you can you can do that as you please <laughs> okay as long as it's cool with you so all right well a couple more questions before i wrap this up and it's, it's, i'm doing more off track stuff because i like to learn Perfect. more about you or showcase more about who you are now I listen to a lot of Sirius XM. I love to listen to the NASCAR radio station, but of course I'm a decades person. So I got it on eighties and eight all the time. What's if you got to be a DJ, what's are some of your go-to songs that you would play that best personifies mm. who you are? Is this like the not safe for workplace answer or like the PG kids about answer? What do hmm. you want? So there, there's two different schools of thought here. True that. Leighton, what would you want to say with this one? <laughs> so, I mean, if you're a DJ, just leave it up to you, you know? Like, this is all your... Oh, all right. Say less. So, look. All right. So, look. So, look. Now, is this just, like, for a party? Is it people my age or, like, a workplace party? This is all. Oh, God, saying. not a workplace party. We not we ever talk about work. <laughs> all right, but it's all people my age. Perfect. Okay, okay, okay. Matter of fact, all right, bet. So look, okay. He's got a whole playlist on. <laughs> See, I was gonna about to show you, but so look, basically, this is how you do it. All right, got to play some of the current stuff. I'm a I'm a rap R and B guy, so you got to get the current stuff, like okay, like like Lil Durk or um, I don't know, Kushai I don't know current current stuff, right? But what is the thing that ties everything in together is like the songs that like everybody knows, like. For example, Miley Cyrus songs. Everybody knows Miley Cyrus or Hannah Montana songs. Am I wrong? All right, then. That's one example. Another example, um, Kelly Clarkson. A large amount of people know, like, one or two famous Kelly Clarkson songs. Right, okay. Um, what else? That's the mid-2000s. Yeah, like, like a 2000s era stuff or early 2010s, like, songs that everybody generally knows, like... I don't know, Neo, Black Eyed Peas, like people know those. So you mix that in with current stuff and you know, it's a good party. So yeah. What a very eclectic Sirius XM station you'd have. I actually would sign you up just to be my DJ for that. Cause like- Check out my Spotify then. Check out my Spotify. Spot. I want to, sh yeah, share that list with me because I listen to a lot of old people music because I'm old. I'm oh. Uncle Rob. And- uh a lot of my stuff's from the 60s or 70s. That's just how I roll. 60s is crazy. No offense, but 60s is crazy. 
<laughs> but I do listen. Okay, so in terms of hip hop and all that, and then we get to your last question. I myself, I love a little bit of new edition, um, naughty by nature, um, like old school Buster Rhymes. I'll sometimes shame out to. And AJ Allmendinger sussed me out because he thinks I can do um, uh, "Baby Got Back" by Sir Mix a lot. So, okay, just, that's fair. Those are those are safe bets. <laughs> Very old people bets. That's all I'm gonna say. For you, you weren't even around, so that that just makes me feel. I'm, I'm hip though. I'm hip though. <laughs> oh man. Well, before we get to Spotify time, let's get to your last question here. And this is way too fun. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Lastly, if Hollywood approached you and said, hey, Raja, we want to do a movie about you and your life and career as a driver from Washington, which actor would you choose to be you on the big screen and eventually on Netflix? Yo, that's a great question because I actually have actor friends. So this is actually kind of that's actually cool. That's so cool to say. Um, (laughs) Probably. Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. I met him at the Black Panther premiere last year. Um, he's actually filming uh, the LeBron James high school uh, show or movie series right now. But um, that'll be, I'll probably pick him. Or, I don't know. Can we talk about Slip? No, let me not. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's I think not. we could. We could. Because that's going to open a can of worms. Let's not do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. So I answered your question, Caleb McLaughlin. All right. Well, cool enough with me on that. Well, yeah. before, uh, that's pretty much all I've got. But do you have anything you want to say to the fans who are going to be tuning in and reading your interview? Uh, dang, put me on the spot. To the fans, hi. That is all. <laughs> No, no. that's a that's a mic oh drop. yeah oh yeah and go uh washington sports teams yes yeah and make sure you watch your boss man racing in the 24 le mans race oh yes and yeah go jimmy yeah yep brownie points i'm just I'm just helping you out man come on all right well that is roger Carruth here in the hot seat we hope you enjoyed that interview and you will hear more from roger throughout the year and the future season so thanks roger Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, man. And that was Roger Carruth, driver of the number 24 entry in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. My thanks, of course, to Leighton Seville for making that happen. And, of course, to Roger for taking time and educating me about why NASCAR races at certain markets during the year. I'm not kidding. I I was an honest, actual, appreciative um, observation by me. So we'll have Roger again on TPF Live quite a bit more often, I'm sure. Um, So that was fun to catch up with him and see him really for the first time in three years. So really cool. Now for the second half of our hot seat segment, we're going to hear from a really talented young driver from the Team Hornaday Development Camp. Someone I hope that you'll learn more about, not just on here, but for his accomplishments on the racetrack. He's a really talented driver. He, you know, certainly is proving himself in the Legends series and and the Pro Late models. And just like Chase Elliott, he's from Georgia, and he is learning from the best in terms of the Hornadays, Candace and Ron Hornaday Jr., and a lot of folks from the state of Georgia who were supporting him with his racing efforts. 
Uh, he certainly makes people quite old because he's 15 years old from Fort Valley, Georgia, but uh, he's certainly a driver that has a lot of potential to be a successful motorsports star. So ladies and gentlemen, in his first interview segment with TPF Live, and hopefully the first of many, I want to introduce you to Hudson Bulger here on the hot seat. Welcome back to another edition of the hot seat here on the Podium Finish and the Podium Finish Live. I'm your host, Rob Tiongson, National Motorsports Press Association journalist. And on this edition of the hot seat, I'm so excited to do something, something different and special for the hot seat. For the next several editions of this segment for the next few weeks, we're going to hear from a bunch of different Team Hornaday development drivers about their careers but what they're learning from Ron and Candace Hornaday, and as well about their journeys and stories that really, it's the first time you're going to be reading about this on a major motorsports media outlet. So on this edition, we have Hudson Bulger here, and I'm so excited because he's a talented 15-year-old driver from Fort Valley, Georgia, who races in U.S. Legends cars and late models. So Hudson, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing really well. Well, listen, I'm really appreciative to have you on here and getting to showcase more about your story and really all about you, because I know a lot of fans may not know who you are, and we want to definitely get the spotlight on you for this interview. So first of all, you know, you're from Georgia, which when I think of Georgia and motorsports, I think of the Elliott family. So how did you become interested in motorsports and who were some of your favorite race car drivers that you followed when you were growing up? So um, I've always wanted to race usually or whenever I was younger, I always wanted to race dirt bikes and stuff. Um, my dad owns a power sports dealership and but we just always wanted something with a roll cage. And then one day someone came in and traded in a legend car and we just kind of went from there and then found Brett and Chris to help us and then just moved up on to late model now and just looking forward to see how this year goes. Certainly. And it's a big year for you, of course, because you're one of the many young but talented drivers recruited by Ron and Candace Hornaday. And as you know, of course, they're very much great recruiters of young drivers going into motorsports, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. You touched upon the fact that you race late models and, of course, you race Legends cars as well. You know, for someone like me who just solely covers motorsports and is a little too chicken to race these cars can you describe what it's like to race these vehicles to someone like me or someone who's wanting to know what you're experiencing yeah um you know it's hard it, some people make it look easy you know watching nascar and stuff on tv um it's definitely a lot different there's a lot that goes into it a lot of work that goes on at the shop um you know to get ready for these races especially in the late model um everything has to be Pretty much perfect if you want to have any shot at winning um you know it's it's definitely a lot harder you have to pretty much do the same thing every lap you know you got to change up some stuff you got to think about you know tire temperature how hot the tires are getting um the temperature outside track temperature so there's definitely a lot that goes into it um that's interesting to know because that kind of leads me to one of my other questions. Now, of course, I've covered racing and you are a race car driver yourself, but there's often this conception that, you know, racing is not a sport, but obviously it sounds quite mentally and physically demanding. So how do you kind of, like, how do you counteract those pressures 
the muscle memory that's required because it's not just simply right foot on the acceler on the throttle and just steering the wheel, right? It's a lot more work. Um, you know, it's taken a lot um, of time to, you know, develop enough skills to be able to do the same thing every lap and still definitely working on that. You know, just trying to get, like you said, muscle memory, doing the same thing every time. And, you know, it's very physically demanding. Um, so we try to prepare ourselves as much as possible for that. Uh, like these hundred lap races I've been running in Montgomery. Um, it's very hot. And I've just been trying to prepare myself as much as I can for that. And speaking of living in the South, I live in Texas and you're obviously in Georgia. This time of the year is not really friendly on our, on the physical aspect. It's pretty, you know, grueling, pretty humid. So do you do a lot of, I know you may not be able to go to like a gym for heat training, but what are some things that you do to prepare for these hot and humid race days? Um, you know, there's not too much you can do really because it's, I mean, this is driving a race car. Fortunately, I am able to race enough where um, and be in the seat enough just where over time I've kind of gotten used to the heat, um, you know, trying to be able to race it like as much as I can, at least every weekend. Um, so that has definitely helped me throughout the years, just um, getting used to it. And yeah, it's, it's just brutal out there. And uh, how you guys do it is just beyond my comprehension. So uh, more credit to you to put up with the bad humid humidity and the heat because oh, I complain about it all the time when summer hits but good for you to to endure that because that's definitely necessary once you climb up the racing ladder now not only do you demand like bounce demands of you know racing itself but I'm sure you you, you study of course you're in high school so how do you de- how do you kind of like deal with the I know you're on vacation but when you go back to school how does the how does Hudson deal with homework, classwork, friendships, and then oh, I got to go to the racetrack. So this year was definitely tough. I think I had like thirty something absences, and <laughs> so this year we decided they just came up with this new homeschooling for racers. I guess it's called Speed U. So I've joined that just to help open up um, opportunities for me to be at the racetrack more next year. So that should definitely help. It's, you know, I just have to be on the computer for a certain amount of time each day doing a little bit of work. And, um, I mean, they obviously expect you Friday, Saturday, and Sunday not to be doing anything. So we get Fridays off for anything we need to do, um, racing involved. And they definitely accept that just because they are like a racing-based homeschool. Well, that's good that you have that around because if you had to be in a brick and motor school and you know you, you mentioned you missed 30 days of classes that's tough um so wow welcome to real life my friend it's not easy but you're doing what you have to to make it in racing and i think it's it's good that you have that to still kind of you know continue continue and, and finish your academics for sure now, of course, you're a team Hornaday development driver. I'm just curious, what are some things you've learned from Ron and Candace, you know, this year that you feel like already has made you a better person and a better race car driver? So I actually, I think I'm the newest one on the team Hornaday development. So I have not been in it that long. Um, but so far, you know, me and Joey Coulter going over just like, 
debriefs and stuff after the races. And then we go back and watch all my GoPro stuff from the in-car video. See what I could have done better and change for next time. He helps. They help me get prepared, you know, for um, upcoming tracks I've never been to. Like, I'm going to New Smyrna. Um, I saw it the beginning of next month. And um, so we definitely working on that a little bit, doing some iRacing, getting prepared for that. That's cool. And New Smyrna is definitely a nice little bullring to to cut your teeth at and further develop yourself as a driver. So quite a long way through the days of U.S. Legends cars and now getting to race at these tracks that stock car competitions are held at, especially with Arca East. So super cool for you on that end. And um, I know you're only 15 and maybe this may not be the best question to ask, but hey, you know, you've been racing for a few years now. What would you consider to be right now your welcome to racing moment that makes you laugh or smile a little bit, but lets you know, hey, you know, I'm I'm accepted so far by my peers. Um, I don't know. I mean, like you said, I haven't been racing for very long, so I haven't really had that moment, I guess. Um, you know, definitely uh, getting started a late model and getting uh, probably running the snowflake at the end of this year and then starting off in the speed weeks next year, probably pretty big, just because I've been to both of those and seen a lot of good drivers go through there and, um, yeah, just being able to run that uh, in my own car, so it would be pretty nice. Yeah, that's awesome. You're going to race in the Snowflake race because a lot of stock car talents, a lot of drivers who have made it to NASCAR, ARCA, all of those, all those major divisions have somehow, one way or another, raced in that, that, that preliminary that leads to the Snowball Derby. So that's so cool, Hudson, and I really can't wait to see what you do later this year on that event and, of course, what you do this year and beyond. Now, here's maybe a question you've never been asked before. Let's just say that you could build a racetrack anywhere around the world. What kind of racetrack would you want to build and why? Um, definitely a circle track and probably in Georgia, just because there's only really, besides Atlanta Motor Speedway, one open circle track, um, which is Cordial. So probably I'd build one in Georgia. Just be close to home, close yeah. to home right? <laughs> I love it. I gotta say, Atlanta has been a proving ground for a lot of drivers. You know, obviously the Elliott family, you know, Chase raced in that quarter mile track. David Reagan, I'm pretty sure, raced around there. Um, Joey Logano as well. I mean, are those drivers that you would say, as a kid growing up in the Peachtree State, that you looked up to and said, "Man, if I had the chance to do what they're doing, I'm totally gonna do everything I can to make it." Yeah, so David Reagan is my crew chief's cousin. Um, so he's drove my prolate model in speed fest and stuff, just getting it ready for me and just making sure that's best that it can be before I get in the seat. So um, I definitely have a good relationship with him. So yeah, it definitely helps me, you know, just a little bit of motivation just to see where they're at and to where I can get to. What a small world it is, and that I'm sure the Reagan family, uh, whether it's David or his cousin, all of these family members, they know a thing or two about racing. And um, obviously, David's father, Ken, was a NASCAR Cup driver, too. So that sounds so cool that you have all these resources around you to you know, be well-equipped, well-informed, 
and well-prepared for any race that you're doing. Uh, I love what you said earlier about the oval tracks. I take it you're not a fan of road courses. <laughs> I have, uh, I've raced on, or not raced, but at the Skip Barber School on VIR um, in a Mustang. And it was actually pretty fun. I want to race some kind of road course soon. I'm just not sure what it would be in. So I do kind of like them. They're, I feel like I personally am better at the circle track, I think. But I could definitely get used to driving the road course. Well, there you go. I, I like that. I mean, you got to be a little open-minded, but of course, in, in terms of this type of racing, the oval track style is where it's at for sure. Now, let me ask you this, Hudson. If SiriusXM gave you the chance to be a DJ for a day and you got to play at least three songs that you enjoy, what songs would you choose that you feel best describes who you are as a person and as a race car driver? It's tough. Um... <laughs> you know we listen to a lot of music i'm trying to think um probably something con- country definitely country music something along lines of there um not really sure some of the newer country artists or even taylor swift or trying to think about luke combs kind of stuff yeah our probably more older country probably like oh. hmm I like that you went that route instead of the younger artists. I don't even know who half these artists are anymore. I think of country, I think of like Willie Nelson and uh, Conway Twitty. This is well before your time. So you're like, who, who is he talking about? <laughs> but uh, no, that's cool. I, I like your choice for sure. Now, Hudson, I know you love to race. I'm sure being in Georgia, you love the great outdoors and all the kinds of things that you can do in Georgia that someone like me from the city didn't get to do. But what are some of your favorite hobbies or activities you like to do away from the racetrack? Um, you know, I keep it kind of simple, just pretty much hunt and fish and race. It's pretty much three things I do. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a relaxing fun, especially the fishing part. Cause like, I'm sure it's not one of those cases, like being at the racetrack where it's all intense and, you know, white gloves and, you know, being all intense. It sounds so relaxing, but I'm sure there's some moments where you're a little impatient. You're like, is there anything that's going to come out of this creek? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Sounds fun for sure. Well, for my last question for you, Hudson, and I'm really enjoying my interview with you here so far. I know it's a long ways to go. You just started, at least with a Team Hornaday development. And uh, it sounds like everything's going well for you so far. How do you envision your career in racing these next five years? Um, yeah, I mean, my first step would definitely move up to a super and then just make it as far as I can, hopefully get enough sponsors and everything, um, move up. I'd like to go the pro now, right now I'm running pro light models to super and then just to trucks and then, you know, Xfinity to cup. Um, but next five years, definitely I'd want to be up there somewhere racing on a bigger track. Well, I hope that you definitely make that happen for sure, because it sounds like you love your racing. You're doing all the hard work involved to be there. And you've got great people, like I said, with Ron and Candace, everyone around Team Hornaday that's going to help make those dreams to come true. So I really appreciate the interview with you, Hudson. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the fans who are learning about you this first time around and hopefully the first of many times here on the podium finish? Is there, um, no, not really. Just go, you know, 
follow me on social media and stuff. Just follow on with what we're doing with um, my whole racing career. You know, uh, we've been, we try to keep our social medias updated as like constantly as possible throughout the day while I'm racing. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure that we'll plug that for sure. I know fans, you can check him uh, Hudson out on Instagram.com backslash Hudson Bulger Racing. And that's again, Hudson Bulger Racing on Instagram. He's got a lot of great content on there and a lot of great updates from the racetrack. So Hudson, again, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to us here on the podium finish live and podium finish. So Hope it's the first of many times here, my friend, because I really want to keep track of your career and your progress. And uh, let's one of these hopefully get to do this at the racetrack. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was Hudson Bulger joining us on the hot seat. Of course, he's a driver in the Enex Legends Pro, and he's a pro late model driver who races primarily in the Southeast at Atlanta Motor Speedway and other tracks around the Southeast. So my thanks, of course, to our old friend, Taylor Kitchen, and the Team Hornaday Development Camp for making that, that interview possible. We're going to have a quite a few more of these in the next four weeks because there's we pretty much talked to all of them. So we're going to introduce you to these talented young drivers and hear their stories and get to know their personalities and, and their motivations to be in motorsports. So super happy that, that we got to do that. and. Um, yeah, definitely check out Hudson on social media and I'm sure he'll give you a follow back and you get to see his exciting efforts uh, in the quarter mile racetracks in the Legends cars and those tough bull rings in the Southeast in a late model car. Well, with that, I think we're almost running out of time here for TPF Live because we had a lot of exciting things to talk about. We had two hot seat interviews and really at this point, Nathan's about to get his luggage ready to go to New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the first of his two consecutive race weekends after Atlanta. So we don't want to jump the gun just yet, but I'm excited for um, this weekend, of course, the races at Mid-Ohio and Atlanta, but I can't tell you enough how much I love New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So I, I may not be there. Nathan's going to be there. Uh, Josh Jones, of course, will be there too. Wayne Regal will be there and Sam Drace as well. So we've got a big crew going to uh, New Hampshire next weekend, and we'll talk more about that next week. But for final thoughts, all I've got to say is I hope everyone had a really great Independence Day weekend, and I'm ready to see some great racing in the state of Ohio and Georgia, hopefully some safe races. And uh, I hope it's the best Atlanta race we've seen in this configuration, because uh, personally, I get stressed watching them, but maybe Nathan thinks the world of them, or maybe not, I don't know. Um, but Nathan, do you have any final thoughts you want to say to the fans before we wrap up this, this podcast? No, not much. Like I said, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, uh, looking forward to this week in Atlanta. Hopefully we'll see some good racing there. Um, it definitely takes a little bit of, uh, getting used to seeing that, you know, seeing Atlanta like that still. Like I just, I remember growing up with old Atlanta, the old worn out racetrack where tire wears king. Now you can just hold it wide open. So um, we'll see. I, I want, I'm just, I'm very interested to see how much, uh, the night rain, the night race will change things for both the city and the cup cars. It'll obviously be a lot cooler. Um, and you know, I, I know the big reason why they did it was, um, well, obviously the heat, the, the Atlanta heat this time of year is, uh, well, quite hot. So, uh, hopefully it'll be better for the drivers and, and hopefully that might lead to some more fans in the stands. So, 
hopefully it'll just be an all-in-all good weekend down in Georgia. Absolutely. I don't care who wins the race, even though we make race picks. We just want to see some good racing. And yeah, it does. It is taking me some getting used to the seeing Atlanta being a mini super speedway. But if we don't see a lot of crushed sheet metal or carbon fiber and we see some good racing, that's all that matters. And everyone being healthy and safe, of course. So with that, folks, it's time to wrap up episode number 77, the Ray Bork edition of TPF Live. So for Roger Carew, Hudson Bolger, and Nathan Solomon, I'm your host, Rob T. Youngson, saying thanks so much for tuning in to TPF Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. You can check out our previous episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts if you wish to hear the previous 76 or this one again. Stay tuned for next week's edition of TPF Live. As Nathan hits the road to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, we'll cover all of what happened at Atlanta and look ahead to New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And of course, those awesome hot seat interviews, we've got those as well. So with that, folks, as I like to say, let's go get the checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>